0: Pastor Nadia, thank you. I want to welcome all of you once again. Uh, we are concluding our series, mini-series in the life of David. We've entitled this series, Modern Day Davids. And we come to our final message, so this is extremely important, that we uh, we discuss this incredible man's life and how he ends his life. And it's it's amazing because... David's life ends as powerfully and wonderfully as it begins, and that's a rare thing, because as we've mentioned over and over again, we're good starters, but we're not good finishers, but modern day Davids finish well, and my text this morning is found in 1 Chronicles 29 verses 18 to 29, verses 18 to 29, this is David's prayer, he's now about to pass the torch to his son Solomon as David is coming to a conclusion, the end of his life and his son is going to succeed him and there's a lot of life lessons that we see in David, how we can glean and appropriate in our own, in our own personal lives, and so let's begin O oh Lord God of Abraham, this is his prayer, Isaac and Israel, our fathers Keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people. Prepare their hearts unto thee. And give unto Solomon, my son, a mature, perfect heart, to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statues, and to do all these things, and to build the palace for which I have made. We'll stop right there. There's a lot more, but we have limited time this morning I title this message trees you will never sit under (laughs) trees that you will never sit under now why would I make a or have a title like that? well we're gonna find out why this title is so significant and why David did what he did now how many know the backdrop, remember now David wanted to build the temple, is that true? David's desire was to build the temple of God but what happened? God said what Elaine? No. God said no to David. This is a man after God's heart, this is a man that loved God, this is a man That was honored by God more than any other human being. Do you know that David was honored by God more than anyone else? Except his own son, Jesus Christ. David was honored more than any human being in the entire Bible. Do you know that? But God said no to him. Now why would God say no to someone he honors? Oh, there's many reasons, but we won't get to that right now. But David planted a lot of trees, but there's one tree he couldn't sit under. And now his son Solomon is going to replace David, and he's going to sit under the tree. But there's a lot of events that take place before we see what happens. David, his final actions as king reveals who he is. David is about to pass the torch to his son Solomon. And what we see about David at the end of his life was just as great as the beginning. And what we see about David is consistency. Ah, There is a word we don't like very much, in our generation especially. As I said, we're good starters, but we're not consistent. We give up too easily. We might go to one prayer meeting, but we won't go to the next. Consistency. We might have a church attendance, it might be great for the first... Six months, but then we slack off. We might have a lot of passion for certain things, and we're all excited, and we're lifting up our hands, but eventually the hands droop, and we're not as excited anymore. Consistency. God is looking for consistency. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Modern day Davids are consistent. They're persevering. They don't give up too easily. They persevere to the end. And this is what we see in David. He was so consistent in his love for God. Did not Paul say, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished my course. Isn't it amazing that true men of God are able to finish their course? They might get discouraged on the way, but they finish what God started in them because they're consistent, they persevere, and this principle is extremely important, you might have a great beginning as I said friends, but it's about finishing, another great man of God, we learned about a man by the name of Caleb in Numbers chapter 14, I believe it's the 21st verse, it says, and Caleb had a different spirit, for he followed the Lord fully, fully, which means he was consistent to the end, he was consistent, consistent, Fully didn't mean didn't have his up and downs. We all have up and downs, but he was consistent. He persevered. He persevered right to the end. And we see this about David. And you know, brothers and sisters, some of you are following us on Facebook, and I'm in the process of, of teaching the book of Revelation. And one thing became so clear to me just recently. Now, of course, I've known this, but it became so clear to me as we're studying the book of Revelation, and I want to show you how Jesus is very concerned about your life when it comes to being consistent and persevering. He's extremely concerned about that. Consistency is so important. Listen to what Jesus says to the churches here. I'm just going to read you a few portions. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, watch this now look what it says, Revelation 2.10 it says here we got it George, okay for none of those things which thou shalt suffer behold the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days, but be thou faithful, that root also has consistency be thou faithful, be consistent unto death, and I will give you a crown of life consistency faithfulness be faithful be consistent to the end and if you are I'm going to give you a crown of life oh we're just starting here what about revel verse 26 the same chapter verse 26 say he that overcomes that's written in the present now you got to keep overcoming you can overcome once but you got to keep overcoming consistency he that over it's written in the present part he that keeps overcoming in other words he that keeps overcoming and keeps my words written in the keeps on keeping my word keeps on keeping my word that's what it means keep on keeping my words unto what unto the end the end to him will i give power over nations wow another crown another gift is given to you so you can overcome in 1998 but now in 2 Twenty-two, 23 you're not there anymore what happened to you he that overcometh and keeps my words to the end oh can we continue revelation 3 4 and 5 and then verse 19 well watch it look, 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 look at this one thou has a few names, even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk the word walk is written again in the prayer means keep on walking they shall keep on walking with me in white for they are worthy keep going verse 5 he that there's that word overcomes again you gotta keep he that overcomes the same watch us now shall be clothed in white remnant and oh here, here's a big one. Oh, here's a big one and I will not you know what the word means here blot out it means to erase so if some of you think you're eternally secure once saved always saved you better be careful I'm going to say it again and I'm going to get a lot of criticism but I don't care. If you think you're saved and you're always saved no matter what you do, you're wrong. It says here, if you overcome, the same shall be clothed in white and I will not erase out his name from the book. Erase, that means God can put your name in the book but he can also remove it. So for those who think I'm eternally saved as long as I've got no problem and live the way you want, do what you want like I know some people you you are mistaken you are gravely mistaken I will not erase that means for God to erase it that means he has to put it in you can't erase something that's not there so he's going to erase what is there he can't erase what's not there So let me ask you a question: Is your name written in pen, or pencil? I'm only giving you the word. You know, folks. You know, can I confess something to you? I was one of those. I want to be honest. I was one of those who believed that if you're truly saved, you'll be saved forever. I, I was one of those until I really started studying the Bible, really going deep. And I realize there are some conditions. If you, if you think that because you've come to Christ and now you, I'm okay now, everything's fine, I can do what you are gravely, then all these words mean nothing. Jesus constantly, and Paul's teaching, how many times do you hear Paul saying, if you continue, in the last days many shall depart from the faith. How do you depart from something that you're, that you're not in? Of course you're in, so you have to be in to depart from it. Friends, it's not true. You've got to work out what God has worked in. Yeah. Salvation is free. You can't earn your salvation, but discipleship will cost you everything. Yeah. We don't hear that today because all we hear today God loves you, God cares for you, God blesses you, God wants to bless, God wants to do. Everything's about what God wants to do for me. And so we have now a me gospel to satisfy my flesh but that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ I need to surrender I need to examine my life because my heart is desperately wicked who can know it? Jeremiah 17 and I will not erase his name out of the book I will confess before my father and before his angels we'll move on from this, because there's other scriptures, but I don't have time to get into that. And so David is consistent. He made his mistakes, but he was consistent because he kept, what did David keep doing? Modern day David, listen to me. David kept repenting of his sin. He didn't blame others. He didn't say, look, because of you, look what happened because of him, look what she did. He never justified. He took responsibility for his sin. He took responsibility for his sin and he repented and he came back to God. Modern day Davids will repent. Modern day Davids have a short lease on their own. Modern day Davids don't take things for granted. Modern day Davids don't take God's grace for granted. He endured he persevered now watch this as we mentioned David had a dream he wanted to build a temple for the Lord he was a man after God's what well, if you're a man after God's heart you want to build the temple if you're a man after God's heart you're, you care about the church if you're a man after God's heart you care about spiritual things are y'all with me so David wanted to build a house for the Lord It was important to him, but God said no. Now watch this. He could have been offended. <laughs> what do you mean, God? Did you not choose me? Or am I not the anointed one? Why would you not? How? What? David could have been offended. How many people get offended in ministry? Ooh. How many people don't like if someone might be I don't know. I'll just preaching when someone else should be preaching how many How many don't like when they might see others excelling in ministry? There are so many things that can happen in ministry that can cause you to become bitter. Spiritual competition is a horrible thing, but it's in the church. Well, I've been to Bible college. I should be doing it excuse me. I'm glad you went to Bible college, but that doesn't give you a right to do anything. If God hasn't called you, God hasn't called you. You can be 10 Bible colleges. David could have been offended because he wanted to build the house of God, but God said no. Ah, my friends, I got a word for somebody. There's goodness. We've been singing about this just for free. There's goodness even in God's no. You'll find goodness even when God says no, if you're a David, if your heart is right. But if your heart's not right, you'll find bitterness. You see, David could have got bitter because God said no to David, yet David wanted to build the temple. David wanted this part of ministry. God said no to David. Someone else is going to do it. He could have got bitter but he didn't get bitter because he had no agenda because his heart was a heart after God David said okay Lord I can't build the temple I love you so much this is my dream this is my vision okay Lord I get it you said no you know best I'm gonna trust you're in authority you're you're you're, you're the supreme one you're the one that's in control so how can I help somebody else build the church what a spirit What a spirit! This arguably could have been the toughest thing for David to do when God said no to him. He says, okay God, then help me to help somebody else. Wow! What a spirit! You see why David was so elevated before God? Because David had character. What did he have, number one, my first C? He had consistency. But number two, because... David was willing to help his son build when he wanted to do it more than anything else. David wanted to help his son. He had character. Character. Character is seen when God says no. Oh, that's for free. That's definitely for free. God knows the beginning from the end. But you and I will be tested. When things don't make sense, when God says no, how do you respond to no? Will determine and reflect your character. How you respond to no will reflect your character. And David now wants to build and help build the temple. And this spoke of his maturity and this consistency. I'm going to give you some principles this morning that begin with D, that will help us understand really what's going on here. These are the last moments of David. David is having a farewell service in 1 Chronicles 29, and now they are inducting Solomon, his son. And we see so many incredible life lessons here. I could have preached five messages just on this text. I'm, I'm not exaggerating either. Number one what we see here is that David determined was very concerned and he was determined to leave something behind him that honored God David wanted a legacy he wanted to build a temple but David wanted more than anything else to leave some kind of legacy behind him this was important to David and you know friends I gotta ask you what about you what do you want to leave behind Some of us are living like it doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. What you do in this world, whatever you do, especially if it's for the things of God, that speaks even after you die. When David died, the Bible said that God blessed people because of David. Even when David died, his life was still an example in touching people's lives to this very, David left a legacy and an example that shines from generation to generation. And so what was it about David that, that caused him to leave such an incredible legacy, even though he made a lot of mistakes? What was it about David? What he was determined. He wanted to do something. In 1 Chronicles, chapter 22, 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 5 and 14, I want to show you something. We're going to do a lot of, you know, it's kind of a Bible study this morning, you're going to use a lot of scripture, I just gave you five verses from from Revelation, but here we're going to go, look what it says here in Chronicles 5 to 14, it says here, and David said, Solomon, my son is young and tender. And the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent, of fame and of glory throughout all the countries. And I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord thy God. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me. Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build it. House Uh, uh, unto my name because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth oh my goodness this could have destroyed David by the way sometimes God says no because of you because you did something oh and this is tough preaching I know that oh again you won't hear this much because it's always somebody else's fault even David's can do terrible things This could have destroyed him. But David was humble, and he had character, and he took it. Can you imagine God saying to you, "No, you can't build the temple, David, because you, you committed an adultery, you killed Uriah." What? what? David could have just been. Oh, oh, you're right. I'm such a, I'm such a loser. I'm so, I'm so terrible. And David felt that way. That's why he repented. But you see. David understood, he made a mistake, and he accepted it, he took responsibility for it. He said, okay, Lord, I did the okay, I'm not going to get bitter, I'm not going to fight you for this, that's what happened, I accept it, I'm going to move on, and I'm going to trust you in your providence, that you know what's best for me. Did you hear what I just said? I'm going to trust you in your providence that you know what's best for me. But David, if you notice here in verse number 5, he wanted to do something for the glory of God, verse 6. He wanted something to last for the glory of God. He wanted a testimony for God's glory. And what we see here is the path of the just shineth more and more. David now is starting to shine even more than he did when he first started. He wanted a testimony. He wanted God to be glorified. He wanted something to be seen. It reminds me of Joshua 4, when God told Joshua to build an altar once they crossed the Jordan. And they built an altar with rocks. You can read it for yourselves. I don't have time to expand on it. But then the Bible tells us in Joshua 4, when your children come and ask you, what is the purpose of this altar? You will tell them three E's. Number one, to educate the people of Israel to know what took place. My next E is to encourage them and to educate about the experience you had, there's my third E, of what I did for you. This is a testimony of my power and my grace. David wants the same thing. He wants to leave a testimony, a legacy of God's power and of his grace. You see, what David did before he died, he decided to build something that will live on after his death. And that's what's great about David. He didn't have an agenda. He really wanted something for the glory of God. I want to repeat that again. Because today, a lot of people want something for the glory of self. And we see that in ministry maybe more than ever before today. I'm going to repeat that again. We see that more today, I believe, than ever before. Ministers seeking glory for themselves. Oh, they'll never admit it! But it's true. David had no agenda. He really loved God, and he wanted God to be glorified. That's what modern-day Davids do. He wanted to leave a legacy of who God is. And it didn't matter to him who built it as long as it was built and God was glorified. I want to repeat that again. It didn't matter who built it. You see, we're consumed about who built it. The world's concerned about who built it. Who did this? What's his name? David couldn't care less. David was concerned. Just let it get built. That's all that matters to me. You see, that's what modern-day Davids care about. As long as the Word goes forth, as long as God is glorified, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that he cared about. He could have been very bitter, but he wasn't. Because he had a heart after God. And in First Chronicles chapter 29, fast forward here, verses 1 to 3, I want to show you something. Look what it says. Furthermore, David, the king, said unto the congregation. Now he's bringing the congregation together. They're having a farewell service. And they're going to have a dedication service later on at the temple. But watch. What, this is David's. His final words are basically around here. We're going to talk about that later on. But look. look, look. He says to the congregation. He's, he has a meeting. A congregational meeting. Okay? And he brings his son. And he's telling the church. He's tell, I'm, I'm talking about the people of Israel, I'm talking about the church, he's giving the congregation a word, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, and the palace is not for man, but for the Lord, now I have prepared, with all my might, for the house of my God, and he goes on to explain, what he's done to prepare, you see, what I see here, see there are all kinds of nuggets, David, he's, he's, he says, here's my son, it wasn't me, but here's my son. But I want you to notice, it, it didn't destroy me. I have now prepared with all my heart to do what it takes to help my son build the temple. Do you see his character here? Do you see his humility here? David cared about doing something for the Lord. It didn't matter who. Even after David was gone, He wanted something to remain. What a testimony. So he's determined to leave something behind. My second D. Watch this now. He wanted to disciple his own son. The successor to carry on the task. He wanted to be in a sense a mentor. He wanted to disciple the successor. He wanted to make sure the successor had what what he needed to carry on after David died. What a man of God. What humility. You know, I know some people, they leave the church, pastors will leave, and they don't give a hoot what happens to the church after that. Believe me, I know, I've been in ministry long enough to know, I've talked to many who have left, but didn't care about what happened after they're gone. David cared tremendously about what would take place well, why would David care? He's dead. Well, he, a man who's got no agenda will care. A man after God's heart will care about the people. David was concerned about the people. The people that they would grow and follow God. That's what a true minister... That's what modern day Davids care about. Not their own name. Not the build, who builds the building. But is God glorified? Number one. Number two. Will the people grow from this experience. uh, To grow and to to be able to worship and to exalt the Lord. This was his concern. And so he disciples his son. He wants to make sure that everything is taken care of. It kind of reminds me of what Jesus said to the church. It's kind of similar, isn't it? Oh, Mr. Modern David, I'm speaking to you. Did not Jesus say, go into all the world and preach the gospel? What is he doing? Preaching, baptizing, making disciples of men, Mr. David, I want to tell you something, modern David, you were called to make disciples of men, that's your, well I thought that's the pastor's job, I thought it's the evangelist, no, your responsibility sir, ma'am, if you are a believer, is to make disciples of men, you were called to evangelize, and not just evangelize, but to see that person grow, to take interest in their spiritual welfare David was concerned about his son's welfare he's concerned about the house of God and the people that they would grow he's concerned about what happens after he dies because he cares for God and he cares for people in that order he's concerned and he wanted to his son to follow his example he wanted his son to follow his example in chapter 22 verse 12 i want you to see a nugget here i told you we're doing a lot of spiritual you know pilgrimage watch it Watch verse number 12 it says watch now david now preparing everything now my son verse 11 the lord be with thee and prosper and build the house of the Lord thy God as he hath said of thee only watch this now the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding and give thee charge concerning that thou mayest keep the laws of the Lord he's trying to encourage his son look, follow God as, as I followed him follow God as I followed him didn't Paul say the same thing? imitate me as I imitate Christ First Corinthians chapter 11, Ephesians chapter 5 imitate me as I listen friends I'm going to tell you what your responsibility is Mr. David, I'm telling you now, Mr. Martin David, you're responsible to make disciples of men, but here it is. Your responsibility is to say the same thing David said, the same thing Paul said. Imitate me. Don't look at me, but imitate me as what? As I imitate. So But some of us miss it. Some of us will say, imitate me, and you leave Christ out of it. Excuse me? Imitate me as... I imitate Christ. So, in other words, as Christ is seen in me, take that example. Don't look at me. Look at the Christ in me. The problem today is, we want people to look at me. I don't care, sorry, God bless you, if you're me, but that's not what interests me. I want to see the Christ in you. That's what interests me. I want to see the Jesus in you. I don't care how beautiful you might look and how great you are and how well you sing and dance and play and how well you preach. That's wonderful. I see you. But I want to see the Jesus in you. I want to see the Jesus in you. Because you can sing and you can preach and you can teach but there's no Jesus. Oh, I know I'm hitting somewhere. I, I don't know where but I'm hitting something. Imitate me, Paul said. As I imitate Christ. And David is saying to his son, Look, David, I cried out to God. I, I sought him with all my heart. Follow that example. Do what the law says. And David was a man of the word. And he's encouraging his son to do the same thing. And we see this here throughout the Bible. David continues. To encourage his son. Now, notice verse number 12. Watch this now. Verse number 12. It says here, it says, The Lord give thee wisdom, understanding, and give thee charge concerning that thou mayest keep all the law. Then thou shalt prosper, and thou take heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. So be strong and be courageous whoa, now David is going a little deeper. I want you to follow the Lord and follow the example and my example, but I want you to be courageous. Now let me ask, why would David ask his son to be courageous? Does anybody know? Why, why was being courageous so important to David? Does anybody know? Well, let me ask you a question. Can we, can we backtrack a little bit and, and go to 1 Samuel 17? Does anybody know what happened in 1 Samuel 17? Come on, you Bibles, don't look at your Bibles. What happened in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel? Anybody know? Oh. One of the most famous chapters in 1 Samuel 17. My goodness, we got to go back to Bible 101 here again. Did David have a fight with somebody? What was his name? Goliath. Let me ask you something, brothers and sisters. Saul. was the tallest, perhaps, could have been the strongest man in Israel, he was the king, He had his soldiers all around him, David maybe was about five foot five, history tells us he wasn't a big man, in fact he was fairly slender they say, who stepped out to fight a monster, should have been King Saul, he was the biggest guy, who, little David, 140 pounds soaking wet maybe, little David went, he had courage, he had faith, because he saw, a big God versus, a small giant, you see the Israelites saw a big giant, but they didn't see a big God, David saw a big God, and I'll tell you, You will see Goliath shrinking if you see God as a big God. Oh, there's another message right there. And so David wants to encourage his son to imitate him, but to be courageous. He wants to disciple his son. He's mentoring. He's trying to encourage to be wise, to be obedient to the word of God, to be courageous, to be persevering. These are the qualities that David had. That's what he wanted to emphasize these are spiritual qualities faith perseverance you don't see anything about the physical here it's all about character you see a man of God doesn't care about the physical it's not his focus is not the physical realm his focus is the spiritual realm we got Ministers today, they focus on the physical realm. How much money, how much you are to give, how big my deal, how much... Physical, physical, physical. David couldn't care less about It's the spiritual that matter to David. Character and integrity are what modern day Davids live by. This is what he wants to leave behind to his son. He's mentoring him, he's discipling him. He wants to show them this. And in 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9, I want to show you something. I told you we're doing a lot of Bible reading, but there's just so much to this story, I don't even know where to begin, but here we are. 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9, watch what it says here. David is exalting, encouraging, lifting up. The congregation, his son, encouraging them to follow the lord now therefore in the sight of all of israel again see david had no secrets in this you know, he he wanted everybody to hear see look you've heard me say the secret of being a saint is what being a saint in secret what that means is is that that you got to live right when nobody's looking we understand that but david david wasn't a secret agent he wanted to make sure everybody heard about the things of god let all the congregation come not just some not just the chosen few David was concerned about the people of God. My, there's another sermon there. Not just the rich folk. Not those who just give tithes. Now, I know I'm speaking to somebody. He may not be in this room, but... But all people. All the congregation. He brings them out. I've prepared with all my might the house. With all my might, he says verse 9 then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord and David the king also rejoiced with great joy they were willing he gave incredible advice for them to do something his instructions were clear what were the instructions Solomon and before the congregation he tells the congregation I couldn't build a house God chose my son and I prepared with all my heart to help him. And now I'm going to give us some advice and I'm going to give some advice to you congregation, he says. Follow the Lord. I did my best. I made mistakes, but follow the Lord. I've, my heart was, was right. I made mistakes, but my heart was right. Follow that example. Imitate me as Imitate Christ. Be wise, Solomon. Be wise. How do you be wise? Follow the statutes of the Lord. Be focused on the word of God. Be courageous. Take a stand for Christ. Get out of the closet, if you will, spiritually. Oh, I just thought of something. Oh, I won't go there because, no. But David wanted to make sure he was understood. His advice was clear no ifs or ands. Focus on God. Stay true to his word be faithful be consistent and be passionate and be obedient this is the advice he gives his son and the congregation these are David's last words let me tell you something friends your last words mean more than anything else what will you say on your deathbed if you had one or if you will have one those last words are so important many things that times you'll find somebody on their deathbed, they'll say something, it almost seems uncharacteristic of them, but it didn't didn't really make much difference because their whole life wasn't consistent for your last words to mean something there needs to be some kind of consistency I want to say that again For your words to mean anything, there needs to be some kind of consistency. Can I go further? You need to earn your way to be heard. Oh, now this isn't popular, I know that. You've got to earn your way to truly be heard. David earned it. What do I mean by that? You think anybody can just get up and speak whatever they want? That's what happened. Just speak whatever you want. I'm going to preach whatever I want. Say whatever I want. No, 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 friends. No, no, friends. For you to, to have a true ear, you've got to earn it. In other words, your life has to prove that I am willing to give you my ear. If I don't see consistency in your life, you don't have my ear. You can speak eloquent. You can, you can say words. You can be the great. But if if I don't see your, if I don't see consistency <laughs> I, that's the problem today we, too many people are just speaking too freely and too many of you are giving ear to these people they haven't earned it they haven't gone through the fire haven't gone through these experiences They just speak things that people want to hear you want to get a crowd speak things that people want to hear did you hear what I said now there's LGBT issues today everywhere you turn there's another woke issue racial issues political issues and so what some preachers do, let's get on that bandwagon, and let's get a crowd, so let's talk again about homosexual, let's not offend the homosexuals, so let's talk that we can embrace them, and so now we get preachers today, preachers like Brendan Robertson, if you're listening, I'm going to call his name out, who's saying the audacity, that se- fornication is not really and so you can have sex with, whoever you want, he says. this is a prominent preacher, in the progressive Christianity, it's one of the fastest growing churches, in the world, progressive Christianity, Brandon Robinson, says you can have sex with whoever you want, as long as it's consensual, Brandon Robinson, who says, that when Jesus told Lazarus, to get out, of that tomb, out of, of those bondages, out of the grave, get out of the closet, he says, Jesus told him to get out of his, Out of the closet and reveal who you really are and that you're gay and everybody knows it. This is what this man is saying. Getting out means you're getting out of the closet. In other words, revealing that you are a homosexuality, you don't and you don't have to be ashamed about it anymore. Get out. What? What? This is a preacher who takes and preaches whatever he says. He said that you can check it. Oh, if you're listening, he says. You know what the problem with Christians are, he says? That they worship Jesus. That's the problem with Christianity. You worship Jesus, he says. What? You shouldn't. Jesus never claimed to be God, he said. What are you worshiping Jesus for? Can you? Folks, I'm I'm appalled, but this preacher, you know how he's people are flocking to hear him. Can it be? Why are people flocking to hear this nonsense? Can I tell you why? What David told his son Follow the laws of Because they don't follow the word of God They follow Nice things Oh He's so tolerant and nice Maybe I'd like you know Maybe I'd maybe rather hear someone like him Than Pastor Dino He's always negative He's always complaining about something He's always saying something that's kind of you know, Offensive you know I'd rather go and sit down and listen to something that I can feel comfortable in so let me go and be comfortable in church and so it's okay then I can I can be a homosexual, I can, I can do whatever I want I can, I can be comfortable in church I can feel good about myself, I can be comfortable that's the problem we have a gospel today that focuses on the flesh, not the spirit So if the gospel focuses on the flesh, where I get what I want, do what I want, receive what I want, then of course I want to be part of that church. I don't want to go to a church like this. Joel Osteen said, people are battered enough, I don't need to preach this stuff to them. Oh really? You'd rather have people go to hell in their sins then. And tell us, he tells them, you know what, innately, you're a, good, you're a good person, you're okay, there's nothing wrong with you. No, it's not. My Bible says my heart is wicked, sorry. My Bible says I need to repent of my sins, otherwise I can't, but you don't hear any of that. See, David wanted Solomon to understand this. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? was concerned and his instructions were clear seek ye first the kingdom of God and all what was Jesus' message seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his what was Jesus' message in the sermon of the mount blessed are the poor the meek the peacemakers those are persecuted all of these are spiritual things there's nothing physical here not one thing that Jesus calls blessed is physical not one everything is spiritual Everything is spiritual. Everything. This is David's emphasis and we're going to see why in a few moments. I'm winding down, hold on. Now. Notice in verse 1, this is important, of chapter 29. Look what David says, look how caring he is. David is saying, he's young, he'll make his mistakes, so he needs you to support them he needs you to help him you see, David understood we're gonna make mistakes but he wants the congregation to encourage him look what he says, furthermore David the king said unto all the congregation, Saul, my son whom alone God has chosen, he's young, he's tender he doesn't have much experience, and the work is great in the palace encourage him don't destroy him, encourage him he's young He's he's just starting out. David sees that. He wants this to bring a balance here as well. He's young. And so he wants to disciple his son. But then, number two, he reminds them watch this now that it's going to be expensive let me just say something before I talk about this, hold on, I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, watch this now. Watch this now, okay, here we go. And so now, I want you to also know one more thing before we go into that point, sorry, I just missed I, missed, I missed up something here. David also gives the details, he gives the details about how the building should be built, and I won't get into this, he goes and describes the plans how important it is that there are certain steps there's some administration that needs to take place here so he he presents his son but he also presents the details of what's going to take place so that all of them knew that there is a cost and there's a responsibility to work together then he described the organization we see this in first Chronicles 23 verses 2 and 3 look turn to first Chronicles 23 2 to 3 I want you to see something watch this now it says now watch this now and when David was old and full of days verse 1 he made Solomon the son king over Israel verse 2 and he gathered together all the princes of Israel and the priests and the Levites and the Levites were numbered from the age of 33 years and upward and their number by their poles man by man was thirty and eight thousand what do we see here notice he described the organization and he sets in order thirty-eight thousand priests again I just mentioned everything David said was spiritual what does he do he arranges the priests that are supposed to do spiritual work everything David had in mind had a spiritual perspective to it there was nothing physical, nothing carnal nothing of the flesh, everything was for the glory of God, and we see this in the the, the last few verses here it says here, for the glory of God for the glory of God 38,000 priests and Levites This was not political. You see what I'm saying? He didn't mix politics with spiritual. Like we see in many places. In the United States, if you're a Republican, you might call yourself a Christian, but you're more concerned about politics than you are about true spirituality. But you call yourself a Christian. Today we've mixed Christianity, spiritual things with political things. You can't do that. Go to rallies and marches and political this, political that. Friends, let me tell you something. You don't see Paul telling the church, if you don't agree with the government, take a poll, take a flag, take a sign and start lobbying and tell them that you're against it. You never see Paul lobbying. You never see Paul giving advice to Christians to go against the government. In fact, what Paul says, submit to them. Pray for them, Jesus said. Don't lobby, protest. That's what the world does. That's what the world does. And in some parts of the United States, you have governments that are both political and spiritual at the same time. It doesn't work. Sorry. It doesn't work like that. David is setting a precedent here. when the building was finished it would go on and it would be taken care of David was wise and he learned it from his own life and David putting together the whole system leaders, worshippers he's speaking to his son he's getting all the materials he's getting the details and the plans already, notice in 1st Chronicles 28-10 uh, 1st Chronicles 28-10 I'm moving quickly because of my time, 10 and 11, watch this now, it says here, David speaking, we'll look at verse 8, we'll start at verse 8, now therefore in the sight of all of Israel, again the congregation of the Lord and the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that he may possess this good land and leave it for the inheritance for your children, and thou Solomon, thou Solomon my son, watch now, Know thou that God of thy fathers and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all the hearts and understands the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will be cast off. Take heed now for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch, the treasuries, etc, etc David gives spiritual advice to his son of the congregation then he gives them the details of how the temple should be built here's a man who God said no to, here's a man who wanted to build the temple more than anything else, God said no and he's giving the directions with all his heart because he cared about the reputation of God not about himself let me ask you, could you do that? If God said no to you, whatever it is, would you still be willing to help and do your best to see that come to pass, even if you're not going to be the builder? Now you think about how incredible that is. You see, modern day Davids don't care about me, myself, and I, or even your own position. Modern day Davids care about the work being done, despite who's at the helm and so he gives the details even though he wasn't allowed to build it he gives the plans what character wow and then finally he gives dedication watch this, there's a dedication going on the last thing David does he brings all the congregation together chapter 29 verse 1 and following I know I've done a lot of scriptures and we're going quite a few places and kind of quickly but I want to bring it all together He has a farewell service in chapter 29. And before I close, I want to give you some sub points very quickly and what's going on here. Watch this now. Verse 1. Watch this now. Watch what happens here. This is amazing. Furthermore, David, the king said to all congregation, he told him, Look at my son Solomon. Be patient with him. Prepare. And I prepared with all my might. Notice with all my might for the house of God the gold things, the silver things, all the things that need to be done in the temple, verse 3, moreover, because I have set my affections to the house of God, I have my own proper good gold silver, I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared, I've done more, I've done everything I can do, and he's not even building it, wow, wow, what does he do, he reminds them of Solomon's youth we talked about that to take care of him he speaks of unity and support number two he reminds them that he prepared the payment that there was a cost let me tell you something friends there's a cost there's a cost here you know what I mentioned to you Salvation's free but, but discipleship there's a cost David paid that physically but spiritually let me tell you something if you're going to follow Jesus it's not cheap it's not cheap David said, well, not sacrifice of the Lord my God, that of which costs me nothing. You want to follow Jesus? It's going to cost you something. That's the problem today. We don't talk about the cost. We talk about how blessed you are, how God wants to give you everything, how God has become a, a cosmic bellhop. We talk a lot about that, but we don't talk about the cost. We don't talk about what needs, what you need to do. Surrender, sacrifice, discipline, devotion. We don't talk much about that. David paid the cost for the temple. But you see, David's a picture of Jesus. And Jesus paid it all for you. As David paid the temple and all that was required, David was a picture of Christ. Paid the price for you and me. Jesus bore our sin on the cross. But my point I want to make here is in this last point my friends is this that David was willing to do this and understand that there's a price to pay and the last thing he does is he encourages the people to serve notice verses 5 and 6 watch this now. this is my final point this is very important the gold for the things of gold and the silver for the things of silver. Chapter 21, 29. And for all manner of work he made by the hands of the officers. And who then, watch us now, here's David now. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? All right, I've done this, but now are you willing to serve? He's speaking to the congregation. Jesus is speaking to you and me. Joshua. Speaking back, he says, Me and my house shall serve the Lord. Who will serve the Lord this day? He said, Jesus said, Whosoever will, let him come. There's a willingness, and there needs to be service. Notice a willingness to consecrate and serve to the Lord. Then the chief of the fathers, princes, the tribes of Israel, and the captains. And thousands and hundreds of the rulers of the king's work offered willingly. Notice verse 9. And the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because of the perfect heart. Verse 17 I know also my God that thou tries the hearts and hast pleasure in uprightness as for me in my uprightness of my heart I have willingly offered all these things and now I have seen the joy of the people which are present here to offer willingly we see five times willingly in one willingly to serve are you willing to serve David says I've given everything but are you willing to follow this example willingly are you willing David is thankful in his farewell message he addresses the people are you willing to serve the Lord are you willing to give everything this was a picture of David's heart his focus right from the beginning what was David's focus David was willing to fight Goliath he was willing to serve David was the first one to step out and give his services when everyone rejected everyone turned their back except David and now David's about to die and he says the same thing are you willing to step out and fight the Goliaths in other words are you willing to take that step and go forward with God wow what a man of God you see how powerful, you know we read these things and sometimes we don't catch the significance of what's really going on here, I pray that you see how significant, this is David's final message to the congregation, whoa oh he speaks of service, service gotta close, what does the Bible say about service and about David Acts 13 34 Acts 13, 34, look what it says about David, this is the writings of Luke, this is Paul's address, and as concerning that, raised them up from the dead, no more to return corruption, he said to the wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David, of David, why is David's name, keep mentioning here, over and over and over again, David, we're in the book of Acts, and you're talking about David, wherefore he has said also another psalm thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption for David after he had served oh there's the word again after David served served his own generation by the will of God fell on sleep was laid with his fathers this is the testimony after David David served what was great about David he served the Lord, Paul saying. What's great about you? You serve the Lord. What did Jesus say is the greatest command? The greatest of them all is not those who are being served, but those who are serving. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, instead of his subjects coming to serve him, so to speak, he came to serve them. He came as a ransom. What was the greatest thing about David that he wants to leave behind? A willingness to serve God despite who gets the credit. Despite who builds the temple. That's what he leaves behind for you and me, Mr. Modern David. Service. Service in this generation. That's our responsibility for modern day Davids David was a man of supplication a man of song he was a soldier but he was a servant most of all that's what we see and in Psalm 78 Asaph says the same thing that Paul says about David in Psalm 78, 68 to 72 look what it says about David again, There's David here's David once again but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount of Zion, verse 68, which he loved, and he built his sanctuary, high places on the earth, which he had established forever, and he chose, here's David's name again, David, also his, what? his servant, we keep seeing service beside David, everywhere you see David, you see servant, Everywhere, everywhere you see David, you see him being a servant of the flock, He served the sheep, he served his people, and took from him sheepholds, from following ewes, great young, and brought him to feed Jacob, his people, Israel, and inheritance. He fed them according to the integrity of his heart, and guided them by the skinfulness. Service, his heart, to God, I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care who's on, the, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to service people, that's all that matters, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to service people, from the sheep hold, a type of Jesus, who left the nine to rescue, the, a type of Jesus, service, service, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, oh my friends, listen to me, listen to me, those who cling to power, who seek position, are soon forgotten, but those who serve, will never be forgotten, you cling for power you seek fame you will be forgotten Mr. Gideon because that's what happened to Gideon that's how this whole series started we started a contract between Gideon and David Gideon at the end of his life wanted to be the king Oh, he said he didn't want to be and we told you why we gave you a lot of examples and at the end of his life chapter 8 verse 34 of the book of Judges the Bible says and the people did not remember Gideon nor his works he was forgotten this great man this great man was forgotten cuz he sought power. David will be remembered forever because he was a type of Christ or Christ a type. Of, he he served his generation. And that's what he wanted to leave the people of Israel and his son spiritual things, things that matter. Having the spirit of humility, that's where the joy comes. That's what it's all about, being a servant, being a servant. And we know that David exemplify this when now he's king and what does David do? he kept the promise to his friend Jonathan and come on you Bible scholars how do I know that David was a servant? In, in in Samuel chapter 9 what does he do? he finds out that Jonathan had a son his name was Mephibosheth we know the story and David went to Lobidar that was the ghetto that was a dark place kings don't belong there no 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 no. that was a place of dread a place of death and there was, there was David there's the king seeking out Mephibosheth Chef. he kept it, he and he brought him to the temple and he brought him to the palace David served mephibosheth a cripple bat broken and bruised living in lobidar you see david is a picture of jesus who came and rescued us from our lobidar cuz all of us are mephibosheths and jesus came as a servant to rescue us. These are the words of David as he says goodbye and farewell to all of us. That's what we see in David. That's what God wants to see in you and me. Let's all stand. my God my God my God I don't want anybody to leave please right now can just give me a few more minutes this is too important I I don't know this word this word is so important this is the final word in the series but I think this message must continue to go on forever really see David's name lasted to this very day the other kings have been forgotten David's name kept going on because he was a true servant he didn't seek power or fame he was a servant and he wanted his son to follow that example what example are you setting before your children before your families before the people in the congregation before God are you a servant? modern day Davids are servants they don't seek prestige or platform they seek one thing the face of God to give glory to Him PERIOD